Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360, ready to go. Friday edition is here. The crew is back. Lance Lee is here. David Reed, Jakob Swanson, Jake Popoff, our production assistant, and you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for subscribing on YouTube or wherever you're watching across the Outkick network. Big show planned today. We are ready to get after it. Gentlemen, good morning. Let's not limp limply into this weekend. Let's <laughs> sprint hard into the weekend with today's show. That, that's I'm, my message. Uh, I'm all for sprinting hard. Yep. I appreciate you guys' flexibility as always when yeah, man. when one of us can't, Absolutely. Uh, can't so did, meet together. You, you missed the show yesterday. I, I'm in this little time warp for some reason where I'm adding a year on to everything. Yeah. Like where someone says, how old are you? I, I round Idea. up. Teresa does that. And, and, and I, I normally don't do that. So I don't know when this started for me. But yesterday we were like, uh, it's Simon's sixth grade graduation. No. And he's like, no, it's fifth. And I'm like. Fifth. Yeah, it was fifth. Fifth grade recognition, they call it, which I appreciate. I'm not okay. big into the graduation thing. So he's done with <laughs> elementary school. So let's just rename it. We're not into graduation. So let's got, rename he's it. He's got a half day today, yeah. which is really purposeless because yesterday. After recognition? Re yesterday they didn't pretend to do anything. They had this yeah. recognition and then they had a huge party. And there were videos of, I mean, they're just outside dancing and doing conga lines. And they had something called a, a, a color. It's like a Hamilton broke out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a full It really was. And they had something called a, a color run, which was spectacular. They all got a white T-shirt that said class of 2028. And they run through, cool. and the teachers are spraying them with bottles of color stuff like chalk yeah. or so whatever. it creates like almost a tie a tie-dye t-shirt for them running through so they'll come home with their oh that's cool yeah great t-shirts and then i took him and three of his buddies to the pool and they carried it on from there we had a big crab dinner which is his favorite thing and it's a big and now he's back to school so he's going yeah and then he had a, well, he rode his bike today so they love riding their bike to school but there's a giant hill so coming home from school they'll be walking their bikes up the giant hill but uh, on to middle school. And, you know, these kids, it's so funny the things they're excited about. I mean, they've got lockers next year, and they're allowed to talk on their way from one class to another. They don't have to be quiet. This is like the biggest thing in the world to them. You mean we can talk to each other while we go from class to class? Unleash. This is, yeah, they're, they're unleashed. It's I applaud really, the discipline of the school also where they don't speak <laughs> to each other. They know they can't or You get in trouble as you go, you know, en masse from class to, yeah. class to class. And there aren't a lot of big transitions. So he won some Mr. Sports Award and got some citizenship thing. And it was, it was fun to see them having so much fun. Mr. Sports also would be that a great a great name for a pro wrestler back in the day. Mr. Sports. It's Mr. Sports. <laughs> He's great at everything. Uh, Evie, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, Evie had her kindergarten graduation, which sort of like yours, it's weird that she had her kindergarten graduation and four and more days of school. school. <laughs> yeah. Today is their field day where they're out participating That's in bounce houses and uh, Kona ice trucks 
and all of that. The and best. then I don't even know why they're going back. I think our last day of school is next Wednesday. But I don't know what they're doing. They've already graduated. Well, what they're doing is keeping their parents. Uh, yeah, keeping. Yeah, we're not complaining. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. you know, we've paid for not the, that it's a babysitting the babysitting, service, but, but kind of is at this age. Okay. It's both a learning experience and a babysitting service. Yeah, I appreciated yesterday that they didn't go back and try to like pretend to be doing some education. It was yeah, <laughs> it was a party day. Yeah. It was on to the party, on to the dancing. You guys ready for a big weekend? I, uh, I let you guys down on my parlay last yeah. night. The Pacers, uh, who put up 144 points in their play-in game, uh, lost by like 44. They were down by 40. Well, well they gave up 144, right? It was, yeah. it was either exactly 144 but, but or more than that. I, I, was in I checked in like in the third quarter on my phone to see where we were, hoping that we, you know we would get like a final five-minute, final three-minute finish. I mean, it wasn't even close. I, just, I apologized. Immediately yeah. when I saw the third quarter score, I'm like, sorry guys, I've let you down. <laughs> and then uh, Vegas and Minnesota in their hockey game hit the over fairly easily. It was four two over under was five and a half whenever I checked. So we well, would have. I, I feel like I'm one for two, but zero for one on my three sixty. I love how we do the math on that. We were oh, close. Oh, oh for we one on close. the parlay, but one for one on the betting. Um, I, as soon as you said, sorry, guys, you, you texted me what it was. I texted you I was in. I actually got a half point better on the Pacers, which made a huge difference. Um, 142, by the way, given up by the, the Pacers line last was, night. The line was moving. It should have told us. when I should have said, no, guys, I'm out. The line's moving against, uh, against the Pacers. Um, I, I knew as soon as you said, sorry, uh, all right, I'm up. So this morning I got up and I sat down and I started running numbers and stuff. I ran into one of those things where one of the things I wanted to do, it wouldn't let me combine into a parlay. Um, but I'm going three-way. I had to go to three. Oh, in good. Order Let's to get crank that, it up. Get the good. Odds I like up. it. We'll and, get the uh, odds. Yeah, we'll get even I more money if we want. I think we've got one Sunday thing. So we have the weekend one, parlay. That's great. Uh, one tonight thing. I'm not sure about the third thing. You know, Scott Van Pelt does the, the bad beats or whatever. This is not a bad beat in that we lost that well, game by 23 a, yeah, points. It's a bad beat in that <laughs> They that lost game. by 27. <laughs> we had four. Pick. I think we got it yesterday. You had three and a half. At plus four. <laughs> so no, I had four. You had three and a half. We, yeah, so we lost the game by 24 and a half points. 23 <laughs> yeah, and a half he, points. He has bad beats. We have bad picks. Yes. That's, that's, yes. that's the difference. Oh, it's a bad well, beat. Well, the Pacers it's have a, bad nights where they give up 142 points, <laughs> which is a tough look. It's a bad beat. We got beaten really badly. <laughs> it was it was not good. Uh, Julio um, Jones in the headlines um, uh, has stayed in the headlines on whether or not the Atlanta Falcons are going to trade him. We're going to hit on that. Uh, PGA Championship is going on. Where speaking of bets, Chad can really cash in if Lefty plays well. Come on, Phil. Come on, Phil Mickelson. Explain is, these odds. So I bet $3 on Phil Mickelson to win outright, and currently, I have to go back and look, it's something over $900 I would win at FanDuel if he wins outright. Yeah, he's uh, not going to win. And, but, <laughs> okay, you say that, Paul. Where he's is currently he right three strokes off the lead. He is through 15 holes today, one under for the day, three under for the tournament. Uh, Brandon Grace is at six under. Uh, we, we had the fun with this pronunciation before. Bezoidenhut? Yeah, you nailed it. Bezoidenhut yeah. is four under. Killing it. Ian Poulter, four under. And Phil Mickelson's right there at three under. Come on, lefty. Come on, lefty. This would be a big one I for me. I appreciate you uh, rooting, and I hope you win $900. But he's not going to win. It'll be tough. Uh, crazy hit last night with John Tavares and the Maple oh. Leafs uh, with uh, the, 
him being carted off and how that looked, uh, he's the, the the update is he's out of the hospital, which is great news. Remarkable. Which is great news. So he caught he was going down awkwardly and then he caught a knee from somebody skating by. I was talking to David Reed before before the show. The the first highlight I saw of it, the way people on the ice, I think before trainers got there, maybe as trainers arrived, the way the highlight was cut looked like they were going straight to his neck to get him bent backwards. Also looked like they could have screwed up his knees. But I thought he got slashed across the throat. Like I thought we had a skate to the throat situation because it looked like they were applying pressure. applying pressure to his throat when actually they were just trying to get his head back. And, but usually they come from the, the side. So it was just very awkward. But initially when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to see a puddle of blood any second here. So I was relieved that it wasn't that. But then you see it again, and that's one of those things you only need to see once. You, you don't. Uh, I'm not one to, to look at it uh, multiple times to see the breakdown. When I know a guy's head is getting thrown back at a terrible angle in a whiplashy situation like that, I, I don't really care to see it over and over, the broken leg, the, the bad head. Uh, everybody, I'm sure, is relieved that he's out of the hospital. Yep. But uh, what a terrible moment. And that Toronto... Uh, Montreal series is a, a great thing for, for hockey, for Canadian hockey. It doesn't happen often enough for the, the people to whom the sport means the most. Preds are in game three, trailing 0-2 in their series. They host uh, Carolina tonight at Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville. We'll give our thoughts on that game coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour a, a, a bit later. Uh, and a, a must-win game for them to get back into the series and try to even the series as they return home tonight and then again on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Tim Tebow, his jersey sales are crushing it for Jacksonville. He, he has the top five items right now sold at NFLShop.com. And what they're counting on the top five items, if you buy a uh, women's jersey, if you buy a kid's jersey or, or a size, that counts as a separate item than your standard NFL jersey that you could purchase and different color schemes, all that. Uh, they're making a ton off of these uh, jerseys. And it's been reported, Phil Yates, uh, as, as we expected, Tim Tebow, veteran minimum, zero roster guarantee, uh, where he has been brought in uh, for the $900,000 veteran min minimum salary and zero roster bump if he makes the roster. So he's not so making all the Kaepernick until questions, week one. All the Kaepernick comparisons. If Colin Kaepernick would sign for that, he'd have an opportunity. But he will not do that. Um, and that's what John Elway and the Denver Broncos said a couple years ago. So the, the veteran minimum salary, to me, takes that argument off the table completely. Here's my question about the Tebow thing. This is number 85. All reports are that Gardner Minshew will be gone and that Tebow will move to 15. So uh, a couple of questions here if you're buying a Tim Tebow item. First off, he might not make the team. <laughs> so the idea that you want a right. Tim Tebow Jaguars jersey is bizarre to me. And that's on you. That's not on the Jaguars pulling a publicity stunt here. Secondly, it could be outdated by what's opening weekend, September 10th. If he's on the team, the number will be obsolete conceivably. So I think you're really making a dumb purchase. I understand your love of the guy, but... He, he, A, might not be on the team. B, if he's on the team, he's wearing a different number. So you're buying something that is quickly 
obsolete. I guess you don't care about that. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Well, some are buying the double zero uniform with Tebow's name on it. I don't get that. Are either. people confused and thinking that their money goes to one of his charities or something? I, I don't understand the rush to get Tim Tebow Jacksonville gear for a guy who we say may not make the roster unless there was some charitable element to it. I, I understand, and I talked about this yesterday, the Christian fans of Tim Tebow wanting to support Tim Tebow because he is the most out-front Christian athlete that we've seen in the last 20 years. I'm totally high okay profile. with that. How, high but profile. if it's you know if, if part of the proceeds were going to his missionary efforts all over the world, I would understand it. But you're rushing to give the NFL money because of a publicity stunt? Possibly? Because Urban Meyer really likes Tim Tebow, the person? It's not because of Tim Tebow, the Urban player. Meyer, who ain't much of a And I get that Christian if you're a Florida practice. fan in, in North Florida, right. and you're also a Jags fan, you, you like Tim Tebow, and you love him being on your team. I, I don't, I'm kind of with you on this, Paul. I don't understand the rush to go buy Tim Tebow gear uh, unless there's some sort of charitable element to it. That Which there's not. If you buy a Tim Tebow jersey right now, 20% of the proceeds are going to go to Tim Tebow's multitude of charities there's, that he supports. There's but a that's part the of it that's just the, that maybe nostalgia is the wrong word, but the, the idea that you're getting the jersey while you can get it so you can wear it as like, the the piece of very small piece of NFL memorabilia that you would randomly wear out, um, like a collector's like, item. Like the the remember the rush and and this is like uh, to me this is way off the spectrum of Tebow who's actually on a roster, but there is an element to this. Remember the rush to get Ron Mexico jerseys? Yes, with Michael Vick, and then they yeah. banned Clamped it from their site where you couldn't go and do it, like. There's almost that same rush to buy the Tebow gear in, in the same mentality. Like, I've got to get this while it's available type thing. Well, and maybe if it's like a collector's item type well, deal you're I talking about for Tebow. I think keep them available after he gets cut. Keep them available. I mean, if people are going to For every buy. team. Every yeah, hell, put them on every team. <laughs> well, I, I get Denver skeptical. one is but nostalgic. I get, the winning of that playoff game. How many people doing this, though, are the <laughs> autograph hound circuit? That wants to get um, items that's Tebow related because they know if they get Tim Tebow to sign it, they can then sell that for a lot well, of money. Well, one thing get we know, one thing we do know, cost it's not like dollars. it's. Think about uh, I, the the size of the Jags fan base. It's not just Jaguars fans no, buying. I think it. if you're a true Jaguars fan, you're buying a Trevor Lawrence jersey right, right now. That's the guy to be excited about. Yeah. This is the Florida slash Jags fan, or just the Florida fan right. that doesn't even like the Jags that's buying the NFL jersey. Or Tebow I think now. it's national. I think it's a national. Yeah. yeah, I think it, maybe it's the collector. I think it's more of just the having a jersey to wear. We're not the jersey crowd, no. right? Like that, we're not wearing the uniforms, but there is a huge. A huge market for that. Well, and I also think that there is an element of this that much like wearing a mask or not wearing a mask became a statement one way or the other, I think you wear a Tim Tebow jersey proudly uh, with Jacksonville on it. That's a lot of people making a statement. I don't see them with the Jets or I, I don't see many Denver Broncos. I think the nine-year layoff, I think the nine-year layoff and the debate that it has sparked Reinvigorates that I talked about yesterday has made it something now. Nine years ago, it wasn't anything because he was a failed quarterback but that wanted Tebow to compete mania. and stay in there. 
Yeah. Tebow mania was there, but our country's very different nine so years later were there, in terms of all were, of these things. What right? were Mets jerseys like? Yeah, that's like? The, my question. I what think there was an initial like? burst, but I think I, how I long did he play? Four I don't or five think, years? It wore off. Do you guys not agree with me that now it's a bigger national discussion and it oh, has yeah. fallen on different political lines with Tim Tebow in a lot of cases and the whole discourse of everything now is different, even when it was then he was playing for the Mets Double A team. Yeah, NFL versus minor league baseball. Is, it's, is a huge, it's a huge difference. difference. I'm trying to look at it from the football perspective, and I'm thinking, why in the hell would anyone want to buy a Tim Tebow jersey? Because the guy is not a very good football player anymore. And he had multiple chances to play tight end in the NFL, and he sucked. And now nine years later, he's going to magically be a difference maker or be someone that deserves a roster spot over someone else on Jacksonville? I'm very skeptical of that being the case. At this point, if you love and support Tim Tebow, I'm all for that. I like Tim Tebow the guy. But I think a lot of this is, I love Tim Tebow. These people hate Tim Tebow and criticize him. I'm buying a Tim Tebow jersey to support what Tim Tebow stands for, regardless if it makes any football sense or not. But this is comparable, frankly, to buying an Andrew Villart jersey. He's about the fourth tight end in in uh, From a football in, standpoint, yes. It's comparable to buying a Tommy Hudson jersey in Nashville. Except no one knows who they are right. whatsoever. But in terms of the football stature and the likelihood of making the team and all of those things. Um, and nobody's buying, uh, buying those. No, You're I mean, buying I, it because he's a I famous. disagree. I, I think he has a better shot of making the roster than Vallart because of who he's playing for. Because of his coach. Well, he's got, you got to perform. He wouldn't, he to wouldn't on the Colts roster, but he's got a he's got a better chance of making the roster than Villart. Villart's there to take the lumps of the preseason. You've got to perform. You've got to perform to some degree to make the roster, and and we'll see if he can do that. But I mean, there you got there's got to be a line, right? I mean, you can't carry him to carry him. Well, and you can't unless talk you carry about, him on the practice squad. That yeah. can be and Hunter, what you're saying, you can't talk along. about Tim Tebow with Jacksonville without talking about his relationship with Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's the only reason being a huge part of this. And, and I've been going back and forth with uh, with Tut on Twitter, who says to me, if being named Tim Tebow was such a great thing in the NFL, he would have had a shot with other coaches and other teams, which makes your point incorrect. The fact that it's his former college coach is the only reason, and the reason I stated. Um, and, and then he says, not sure how you come to this conclusion. You're saying it's because his name is Tim Tebow. I'm not saying it's because his name is Tim Tebow. I'm saying because the name Tim Tebow leads to having the top five items sold at the NFL fan shop. That is something important. Tim Tebow is bigger than Andrew Villart or whoever you brought up. So, yes, his name has something to do with this, but absolutely his connection to Urban Meyer oh, yeah. is a big part of this and why he hasn't been signed by another team in the last nine seasons. This is nine seasons later. December of 2012, he took one snap with the Jets. And now nine seasons later, he's trying to make it with Jacksonville. So my point is, this guy said, well, he hasn't been given any other opportunities that no one else has. Yes, he has. Guys who leave the league that were drafted in the first round as a quarterback that were bust as a quarterback typically don't get multiple chances to play tight end Achilles in the league. Smith. Which he got. He got multiple chances to stick on with a team as a tight end in the beginning. He leaves for nine years. Then he gets the opportunity with Urban Meyer. Is it because Urban Meyer knows him and loves him and coached him? Yes. Absolutely. But no one else is getting that opportunity. That's my point. I think it's important to note that Tebow, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, reached out about a tryout opportunity and has signed for the veteran minimum with 
no bonus structure here. After the tryout, which the tryout was reported the morning of the NFL draft, and then here we are where he's officially signed at the end of May. So and Meyer said there were two tryouts. They asked him to two. go work on some stuff and come back, and he did. So Rex Ryan uh, was recently on ESPN, and we have some quotes uh, where he was on SportsCenter, I believe. It may have been NFL Live. This is from Rex Ryan, former Jets head coach. I look at it this way. As a guy who was part of this thing, we brought him into New York. I thought him, I brought him in to be a personal protector on the punt team. By the way, we were successful on six fake punts with Tim Tebow. I thought he could run some wildcat type offense. And like Mike Pettin and I used to say, that's the best throwing fullback in the league. Um, I think we're going to get that here with Urban Meyer. He's not an NFL passer. We understand that. But Urban is trying to set a culture. And one thing, this guy is amazing off the field. His work ethic, his passion in the weight room, all of that stuff is a real positive for your football team. And he finishes up. At the end of the day, this guy may have some value in short yardage situations running direct snap runs. And he goes on to discuss the punts and the special teams aspect of what they did in New York. Uh, that That's from... His perspective of what he thought, and this is a couple of weeks old now, this quote, what he thought of the story of Urban Meyer signing Tim Tebow in Jacksonville. I mean, I get what he's saying. You know who's good with direct snap runs? LaVisca Chenault. You know who's good with the direct snap runs based on what they're working on? Travis Etienne. What? Right. And he's also changing positions to wide receiver. He's not outright changing the wide receiver, I, from what I've read. He, they're trying to make him a multi-dimensional, can do everything from running back and can line up at wide receiver. He's not going to be, I don't, I, from what I've read, in the wide receiver room. He's going to be a wide receiver that can do everything like some of the uh, – a running back who can do everything like some of the best running backs in, in the league is, is what they're hoping for. And they've referred to him as the third down back. Right. Uh, third down back who can do all those things yeah, maybe on right. first down. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Is that enough impetus to create this whole thing for a few direct snaps when you've got LaVisca Chenault, who, who was doing that last year for them pretty effectively? We saw it. In, well, see, to me, that backs up. I, that furthers my belief that the dude's going to be on a practice squad. Because you call him up. It, and I'm basing this off magic. of last year's practice squad rules, where you're allowed to call up two members from your practice squad 24 hours before kickoff. And we don't and know do yet that on a Saturday. We don't know yet if that's held over. We don't know. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying I don't know if we have the 16-man practice squad with the four with vets the call -ups. And, and all these different call-ups prior to the game uh, because that was all in structure for COVID and COVID help if you had a player or two on the road or at home uh, that had a positive COVID test or was in COVID protocol. So I, I don't know how all that's set up for 2021. No one really does, um, except for those behind the scenes at the NFL offices making the rules and structure. But I, I guess my point is, if that is the line of thinking where you're going to have a wrinkle or two for a fake punt situation or whatever, um, and then you keep him in your locker room for everything else that we've discussed that we say is not worthy of you know, the 90th man on the team, uh, that's makes, why I see him on a practice squad. Because I, I you keep him around. And I think the practice squad thing, I, 
I think the best thing to do would be to keep it in some form, but probably narrow it. You know, maybe not 16, maybe not two call-ups, but some the variant. Rule. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I would still have to really, uh, it would have to be a great sales pitch from Urban Meyer and convincing me that from a football standpoint, there aren't better options, not just out there, but on your roster to direct snap the ball to than a 33-year-old guy who hasn't played organized football in nine years. He is a big, tough dude who runs hard, who is not fast. He can't throw. I, I mean, come on. Like, I understand what Rex Ryan is saying years ago, but you're, I, I bet, who's the guy again? The, the fourth tight end that's younger, you could direct snap the ball to, and he could do the same thing Tim Tebow could with it. Hire the guy to be a team chaplain. Hire the guy to be an assistant coach if he's so big on culture. I just, you can't convince me this is anything other than a gimmick. Uh, there's no football sense to this. And, and Urban Meyer, if he wants to talk about it, and he gets, I thought Rex Ryan did a good job with the sales pitch of what they were doing with the Jets and what Urban Meyer may be thinking. All of that sounds great. Yeah. But you're telling me you can't come up with a better option well, to do some of those things with than Tim Tebow right the, now? The, the salary also indicates that there's no guarantee. Like Those that are just convinced that he's making Urban's roster there, there's no injury split with the $920,000 minimum, and it's there's no straight, roster bonus. There's there's no date on the calendar if he makes it to camp, a bonus. There's nothing. Straight minimum. So because of that, you cut him loose, and they don't owe him a dime. So that that's... No, it's guaranteed opening day. That's so what the I'm 900 guarantees that, That's why you cut him loose in camp, and... There's nothing guaranteed other than you give this guy an opportunity to be around your club and camp. And you could cut him for opening day, bring him back for week two, and pay him week to week. On a weekly. And then be yeah. off the hook anytime he's not on the roster. Uh, it's, it's all intriguing. The, the intriguing part, I don't think we're surprised by the jersey sales, but the, the sprint to get. Imagine this dude. I'm surprised a, it's selling as well as it is. I uh, am imagine Tim Tebow doing this. Like, we were not we're not far removed from Urban Meyer being mentioned as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Imagine Tim Tebow doing this for America's team. The global brand, the most the most valuable sports team in the world, the Dallas Cowboys, and what that name on that jersey would would bring in jersey sales. Uh, had they and again, I'm prefacing this by saying if Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, because he would have done the same thing there or anywhere. I mean, it's a stunt, and I'm trying to get less annoyed by it being a stunt. Identify and let go. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't really bother me. I just want people to understand what it is. Yeah, I, the I just don't, don't want people to argue. A lot Look, of people don't. They're going to sell a ton of jerseys. Tim Tebow's a great dude. Urban Meyer loves him. I don't like Urban Meyer, which is part of my dislike of this whole story. It's not anything about Tim Tebow. But it's a, it's a stunt. And if you want Tim Tebow around your organization, I wholeheartedly endorse that move by, by Urban Meyer. It makes a ton of sense to want Tim Tebow part of your team. But when you sign him to be a tight end at 33, nine years removed from playing the NFL, it is a stunt. If you hired him, to, again, to be... Uh, a better version of Jack Easterby to be some sort of team advisor, consultant, makes a ton of sense. Hire him to be a quarterback's coach, even, makes a lot more sense than hiring him to play tight end, where he twice failed, two or three times maybe, with different teams earlier in his career. I just, none of that to me makes sense. And when people 
try to twist themselves in knots to argue that it does, that's what bothers me more than anything. I, I just do think a lot of fans underestimate the – now you've got a clean slate locker room, right, with, with new guys coming in. And I think a lot of people underestimate the effect of the attention and the TV cameras and everything focusing so much on a fourth-slash-fifth string oh, sure. tight end. Think you're right. In the locker room. With the press release, even yesterday yeah, when they signed with the press him. release where, where they put out some, some rookie free agents with name and position and, and size and weight, and then they have this with all the comments and everything. He's going to be treated very differently, and that requires a ton of management. Yes. And that ton of management is, is uh, effort and energy that's expended on something that other teams don't have to expend anything on. They're expending nothing on their fourth or fifth string tight end. Coming up, more on this. Plus, we'll get into Julio Jones. We have some odds on his landing spot. If Atlanta does, in fact, decide to trade him, reports are they would really like to. And but because we have the, the Vols in the majority of today's Tennessee Power Hour, we will give you the, the idea of Julio Jones in a Titans uniform and how that would have to actually work with their current salary cap structure. And, Paul, I believe you have Tannehill's numbers for a restructure, in fact, if, if that yeah, were to take it's place. It's not complicated. That That's not complicated. It's not even new money. Also not complicated, but new money. Renters Warehouse can get you money in your pocket, Chad Withrow. It's been an uncertain year and a half, right? Uncertain times also. And you want to get that rent money guaranteed if you own a rental property. That's the opportunity they're going to give you right now at Renters Warehouse. If you own a rental property and need cash, if you're considering updating your rental property or investing in a larger portfolio, you can get the most out of your real estate investment by receiving a full year of rent paid up front. That's up to a year of rent payments in your pocket right now. By giving your money up front, Renters Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. The upfront rent program is available for a limited time right now. All you need to do is call Renters Warehouse Nashville. The phone number, you can see it if you're watching on your screen, 615-398-9550 or visit rwnashville.com. The website, very important to see if you qualify Go to rwnashville.com. Renters Warehouse, do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. We'll talk Julio Jones. And what did Don Mattingly say about all these no-hitters across Major League Baseball? That's next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network and on the OutKick 360 YouTube channel. Effective on Monday, we will be live streaming exclusively on YouTube through the OutKick 360 channel. So if you're currently streaming the show live through OutKick's channel, at the top bar, search out OutKick 360 channel and hit that subscribe button, hit that bell so that you're alerted when we go live on Monday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Again. That starts on Monday for OutKick 360 content on YouTube. Uh, quick clarification, you just to be fair to the story, you can go to NFLShop.com and there is a option to ship the jersey after a number is finalized by the team for Tim Tebow. 
There's also, according to UW, uh, at Fanatics, you can get jersey insurance. If your purchase gets cut or traded, they'll swap out your jersey for a player that makes the roster. There you go. According to me, there's also an option where you can just wait, and you can order a jersey after he's on the roster and after he has a number. And you don't have to rely on Fanatics or NFL.com to do any of this for you while giving them money in May for something that's going to happen in September. And I'm not the most fiscally sound guy. I buy things that I want when I want them. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. But even I, in my wanting, wouldn't pay now for something I can't have until September when I could just as easily pay for it in September, if I'm getting it in September. So why should they have my money now if I can't have it until September when I could just as easily pay for it in September? One more thing on this Tim Tebow part of this before we move on. And this is a a tweet that caught my eye from OutKick's fearless leader, Clay Travis, that I I want to address. And the tweet says, The Raiders, Dolphins, and Washington Washington are all reportedly still interested in trading for Deshaun Watson, despite 22 women accusing him of sexual assault. Yet Tebow trying out as tight end is controversial. Just stop. Talent is all that matters in the NFL. Swing. I'll agree with Clay on the talent is all that matters in the NFL or is what should matter in the NFL. And for that reason, teams being interested in Deshaun Watson makes perfect sense for me. Because you could be accused of murder, and if you can sling it like Deshaun Watson, somebody's going to be interested if you get cleared of that charge or if the league clears you of that charge. But tying in Tim Tebow to this makes no sense because if talent's all that matters, I can give you about 300 names pretty quickly that make a hell of a lot more sense for a fourth or fifth tight end that's younger, that's played the position more, that's more capable of playing it than Tim Tebow. So, no, Clay, talent isn't all that matters with Tim Tebow. Now, I'll agree with you, the controversy surrounding it is overblown uh, to a big extent and I think shows a lot about the people criticizing Tim Tebow maybe a lot more than it does about Tim Tebow in a lot of instances. And I told you the reason why yesterday, that a lot of people, they won't admit it, but they don't like Tim Tebow. It's because the people who support Tim Tebow, they don't like, and they're never going to tell you that. But to say that talent's all that matters in the NFL, it should be that way. But when it comes to Tim Tebow, it's not. I'm a merit guy. Tim Tebow doesn't have merit right now. And Deshaun Watson's got playing merit. Deshaun Watson's got much bigger things going on that eliminate him right now from being qualified to play for, for, for anything. I'll also say... He's still Clay, in a roster. Clay yeah. was the first person that I've ever heard refer to uh, Deshaun Watson as the Bill Cosby. Possibly, allegedly, the Bill Cosby of the NFL. That's the first time I've heard that. But Deshaun well, Watson's on the Texans roster because of his talent. Right. But The 90th man on the Texans roster would no longer be the 90th man on the Texans roster if this were going on. Uh, agree, but he's not going to set foot on a, a field again, on opening. But again, this goes back to talent is what matters, right? Yeah. And Deshaun Watson's one of the Most five to ten best quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe so higher. He's yeah. going to be given every benefit of the doubt, for sure. Uh, Julio Jones among what would we say top fifteen wide receivers right now? Yeah. Am I doing a disservice by? putting him that low? Well, the only reason you put him that low is because he's Injuries. coming off an injury season. So what? My, my first thing is what would it take for a team to trade for him? Um, you know, the Colts, I brought this up with McLean yesterday, the Colts have traded away some future picks, so do the, how much capital do they want to trade away to acquire him? 
Um, other teams will see more value in him for how close they are and needing that veteran presence in the wide receiver room paired with a young, faster receiver. And, yeah, and I, I brought up the Colts because I think it makes a lot of sense for Indy just on paper. Yeah. It I makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. But according to The Athletic, the Falcons do, in fact, want to trade Julio Jones. Yeah, Jeff Schultz is a very insider Falcons guy. So him giving this air is significant. Um, He's a big Atlanta guy, period. Yeah. He's a longtime Atlanta guy who knows a lot. Well, Julio Jones is not as expensive, I don't think, as most fans think. Yeah. Because the cap number is big. And that's why there's pressure on Atlanta here to maybe let some air out of the valve. Um, because, uh, look, his value and, and his cap number kind of go hand in hand. If the Falcons will pay a bigger portion of this to offload him, then what they could get in return goes up. These two things go hand, hand in hand, right? They have no flexibility with their cap right now. According to Albert Breer, they have $357,000 available under the cap. Like, the, the Titans have the seventh worst cap room right now based on flexibility and according to Breer they're just under four million like 3.5 to 3.7 the Falcons have less than four hundred thousand dollars the preeminent question really with them cap wise is why won't they do something with Grady Jarrett who's their other biggest cap concern and who looks to be a part of their long-term future extend Grady Jarrett you get his cap number Mm. down this year and that offers you some relief there it's hard for a lot of us, me included, and I mentioned this the other day, I wish I knew who, who wrote the initial tweet, to say um, you've got two generational talents, potentially, if Kyle Pitts is what everybody thinks Kyle Pitts is, and say, look, oh my God, we've got Kyle Pitts lined up next to Julio Jones over there, as opposed to we've got Kyle Pitts lined up to salary cap relief over there. You know, and I've kept saying that, that the the... Falcons have good wide receivers. Well, Calvin Ridley's an excellent wide receiver. But their second best wide receiver last year, do you know who it was? A tight end? It was Russell Gage. Oh. I, don't know, I don't know. I don't You know, he doesn't pop to mind. He had good numbers. He had 109 yeah. targets, 72 catches, 786 yards, four touchdowns. Good. A good wide receiver. But you're not giving up Julio Jones because you've got Russell Gage. Well, Russell Gage's numbers Hayden are in Hayden Hurst part- was third. Russell, okay, uh, Russell, Ga- Russell Gage's numbers are in part because Julio Jones is missing seven games last year. Right. So if you're anticipating that Julio Jones is going to miss more time because that's just, we're, we're seeing the back end of his career, you get value for him and you get cap relief at the same time. You're bumping him to wide receiver two. They've got Blake Christensen. They've got Corderell Patterson. Uh, who, you know, is more of a special teamer. Everybody tries to do something yeah. with him at receiver and doesn't get as much as they want. Frank Darby's a rookie, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, they have D.J. Moore. So th- there's your, your bigger answer, right? Terrence Marshall. So they do have uh, Robbie Anderson. No, sorry. I, I'm sorry, I'm reading a totally wrong line. My bad. Start over. Frank Darby is their next best guy after that, a rookie. Forget D.J. Moore. I, I slipped into the Carolina line. Um, so they're not as stacked at wide receiver as you would think. They'd be better off with Julio Jones for sure. The trade market is limited because of the money and because yep. teams have addressed wide receiver. I've got odds here. You want to hear who the, the favorites are to land him if he's traded? 
So right when we discussed this a week ago, Baltimore was number one in the odds. Are they still number one? Baltimore is number one, plus 275. 49ers second, plus 300. Patriots plus 450. Patriots have had a go-forward offseason. That would be a hell of a move there. I don't know if your quarterbacking dictates Julio Jones at this stage, though he's going to make your quarterback better. Chargers plus 600. They've got a lot of money in Keenan Allen already. Well, Baltimore. So Baltimore and tried, the Titans tied at plus six hundred with the Baltimore Chargers. tried to sign T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. Hilton decided to stay in Indy because of the quarterback situation. Julio Jones is not going to be happy to be traded to Baltimore. I wouldn't think so. No, no. He'd be happy to go to the 49ers, but Baltimore. Probably. They're they're trying to get Lamar Jackson some semblance of a number one wideout. They have Hollywood Brown, who's a number two. You know he's he's it, he puts up number one numbers sometimes, but not nothing consistent. They're trying to find that true number one outlet, and that's why they're number one in the Vegas. Odds. They signed Sammy Watkins was the one guy they did get to come to them, which is an upgrade, but it's not the level of upgrade they were looking for that they got turned down by. So the Colts are the next team behind. Uh, Ravens, 49ers, Patriots, Chargers, and Titans, the same. Colts, plus 700. Packers, Eagles, Bills, Giants, Cowboys, also on the list. This would be a huge move in Tennessee because Tennessee uh, lost Corey Davis and Johnny Smith and has not made a significant move. Josh Reynolds caught the third most passes in, uh, with the Rams. Uh, you know, the Rams throw a lot more than the Titans do, though. So for him to have that many more catches there is part volume, I think. Is he a two? I don't know. Is he a three? Right now, he's got to be. Right now, he's got to be a two. I think, you know, if Josh uh, Reynolds you're, you're is You're asking a, just overall, is right. he a two? Josh Reynolds as a three, if, Corey De- if, jo- if Julio Jones right. is a two, you're, you're perfectly happy with yeah. this offense. And that's still not accounting for Jonu Smith having left who's a very good pass-catching receiver who's gone on to the Patriots. He had to block a lot last year after Taylor Lewan got hurt in Tennessee, but a very effective pass-receiving tight end. Tennessee lost two big pieces of a very good passing offense that supplemented Derrick Henry and don't have guaranteed replacements by any means for those guys. Plus, A.J. Brown, not that this is a factor, grew up war, you know, loving uh, Julio Jones. Well, and and Derrick Henry has even said he would love to see. Derrick Henry's campaign. I mean, uh, it makes sense. I mean, you would. I mean, Julio Jones makes sense for a lot of teams. I, mean, I, I don't. We can go down the list, but he'd be great as a Titan for what they need right what now. What would it take, Paul, for a restructure of Ryan Tannehill to make some room? Because as we mentioned, the Titans are among the the ten worst in salary cap space right now, along with the Bills and Packers, who are also listed. Uh, on this list from Las Vegas. I don't, I don't understand the Titans' reluctance to restructure. Uh, they could could uh, create $20.617 million, 20.617 million dollars with a restructure of Ryan Tannehill's contract. And I, I've reported this from a very strong source at the NFLPA that it's not an immediate check that's written generally it's spread out the same it's accounted differently and this money is already with the nfl in in escrow with the nfl 
you have to put the money that needs to be accounted for April 1st that's guaranteed for this coming year, April 1st, away. So Ryan Tannehill's money is already, quote unquote, paid by the Titans. It's not in Ryan Tannehill's pocket, but it's in an account with the NFL. So if you're shifting around the accounting of that money, it doesn't matter. Is there a it's some kind of precedent, maybe, because the only guy that John Robinson's restructured is Kevin Byard, the safety. Is but there a kick-the-can-down-the-road mentality with it, though, where you're putting off a big salary cap hit on your quarterback, much like we saw with the Saints and Drew Brees, where they kept restructuring, restructuring. And yes, right, and, and as of this wise, year, they have like three hundred grand. They're they're number one. They're they're worse than the Falcons are right now in in cap space. Accounting wise, this pushes some some is that cap the one into the future. That would be the one concern. But Ryan Tannehill is uh, certainly going to be here for the life of his contract in Nashville, and uh, you know I could see you having some concern with next year's cap. But at it's some point, you have to go for it. Next year is not expected to go up significantly, but the year after is expected to really go up money. significantly. Right? Next year is still kind of a COVID payoff. Um, but it's, gonna, but it's going to be better than what it is right now yeah. next year. And, and the Titans are a team that's in a you know, window right now. The Titans I agree. span really is as long as Derrick Henry's span. And I know people in Nashville think that Derrick Henry, because he's a Superman type, is going to last forever. He's not. <laughs> We've seen running backs, and Derrick Henry's one of the best ones with this durability and superhumanness. But he's getting 300-plus touches a year. At some point, he's going to hit a wall. Titans are going to go and be a good football team as long as Derrick Henry's a good football player. That's going to run out at some time over the next three years, you'd have to guess. they got to go do some things during those three years. Julio Jones helps, helps them do that. Coming up, Don Mattingly and his comments on the current game that we're seeing in Major League Baseball were already six no-hitters pitched by May 19th. The record in the modern era is seven. Mattingly's take next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360, glad you're with us and we hope you'll join us on the Outkick 360 YouTube channel. That is where we will be broadcasting exclusively on YouTube starting on Monday. Outkick 360 channel is what you search on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that alert button, ring that bell, so that every time we go live, which is weekdays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, and when we post new content, new content, which is all the time, thanks to the great crew uh, with Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Becca Risley, maybe even Sleepy Danny. Maybe he does some things when he wakes up in about an hour and a half from now. Uh, <laughs> you can find all that content wakey, wakey. at YouTube by searching out the Outkick 360 channel. Um, Don Mattingly says sometimes the game is unwatchable in, in discussing the, the no-hitters and the, the, the streak that we've been on where we've seen the Mariners. The Mariners are certainly unwatchable. Yes. They've been no-hit twice, twice in the last, what, three weeks? Yep. Maybe less than that. Um, and we've already seen six no-hitters before June even arrives. It's bad. And, I mean, the, we, we talked about a couple of these things. I know you guys had a good conversation about the no-hitters yesterday when I was out. The, the, they, they did not think through what they did with the baseball because um, 
deadening the baseball a little bit is turning some warning, uh, some home runs, which are good at least for the offense, into warning track outs, which is another bad thing that results in, in no offense. Guys aren't changing the way they swing to now hit more effective ground balls. Uh, there's a contact problem in baseball. There's a ball in play problem in baseball. Um, now, on the no-hitter thing, look, it's bad that there are so many. It's still an event. I well, mean, it, there are too many. It's an event. It's too easy. It's He's still an event. If your team's throwing one, you're flipping over. So how many three- or four-hit games have we seen? That, to me, yeah, is that's the up. issue. That's, up. that's it, up, too. Half innings with no hits. That right. I read an article about it at the Ringer yesterday. Half innings with no hits are way up. One, two, three innings. Um, six innings with no hits, seven innings with no hits, up, up. Well, I, I think that's what Mattingly is addressing. He's like, sometimes the game's unwatchable because we've reached a point where he's, he's being asked about the no-hitters and the fact that we've seen six. The no-hitters are fine because pitchers are having a great game and there's a storyline behind it. Uh, I, I think the issue that he's having and that a lot of baseball fans or the casual fan in general would have right now is what he says where he says it's been coming and it's been building and now we're at a point where I think it's getting much more attention because it's just a game that sometimes is unwatchable. You see guys you talk to and you don't even like watching the games because there's nothing that goes on in them. He's not referring to the no-hitters being unwatchable because the no-hitters are boring. He's he's referring to, and I, I, I get it, he's talking about those three or four hit games where there's nothing going on and one run is being scored and you've got the 2-1 final or whatever. It's just... It, it, it's just a, a, a grind. Clayton well, Kershaw said much the same thing. He said, you know, congratulations to Kluber and yeah, to whoever and the other one was most John recently. Means. Good for them, and they're good pitchers, and they deserve these things. Yeah, the guy in Detroit. But overall, this is trending in a bad way for the game. Now, Clayton Kershaw is a fan of good pitching, obviously. And he, <laughs> yeah. He's on the side of the pitcher, yeah. and he's, he's saying it. You know, when, when a premier pitcher is saying this is going in a bad direction and the game is, is suffering, that, that's, that's great illustration last night in the Braves-Pirates game of this. I'm listening to Chip Carey on the call, and he's describing the Pirates. You know, it's this young, plucky, scrappy group that takes a pitch and looks at where the fielders are and punches it the opposite way against the shift and hits line drives up the middle to get on base. And I'm thinking the whole time, oh, you mean baseball. <laughs> you mean they actually know how to hit. Like this is a team that knows how to hit. And, yeah. and my team, the Atlanta Braves, doesn't know how to hit because all they do is swing for the fences. And the perfect example is they get to extra innings. The Braves bring in scrub Jacob Webb, who promptly gives up three consecutive hits. All different ways. Opposite field line drive, shot up the middle, bloop shot to right on a, on a curveball that gets home for a base hit. You're seeing this complexity of how you can get on base, which is amazing. The Atlanta Braves come up. Freddie Freeman, reigning NL MVP, can't do anything but swing for the fences. Promptly pops out. Marcelo Zuna, a guy who looks like an overpaid scrub this year, <laughs> promptly pops out. Shocked on the previous at-bat when he tries to watch a home run go out that's caught at the warning track that it wasn't gone. And then Ozzy Albies pops up to end the game. Strands runner on, game over when they start with a runner on second base. This is the problem, not just with the Braves, but you're seeing it across baseball. Guys don't know how to hit anymore. We need Tony Gwynn. We need Ted Williams. We need someone, Don Mattingly. We need someone who can instruct young players that it's not all about hitting a home run. When you come up, 
it can be about getting on base because when you put the ball in play and can get on base, crazy things can happen like scoring runs or breaking up a no-hitter. That can happen when you get on base also. I I agree with you, uh, absolutely. But I also think the pitching has gotten so good and it is harder than ever to make contact and to make good contact. Are guys swinging for the fences too much? Yes, and is that set hitting back? Absolutely. But you look at the science of pitching now and you read articles about spin rates and all of this stuff that they're breaking down in the lab and pitching is so good right now. They've got to come up with something. And I don't want drastic. I don't want them to move the mound. Uh, maybe lower the mound. I don't know what. I don't want crazy, but I want changes. They have made changes in favor of hitting before. They have to make changes now in favor of hitting again. This guy at the ringer who I read, he said, and he's bummed out by all the no-hitters and the favorable pitching, he wants it to be terrible this year, the hitting, in so that the league has no choice but to implement serious changes that help with contact. Smaller strike zone, uh, you know, uh, restrictions. I, th- I think one of the big things is restrictions on the number of pitchers. I understand you have to now face three batters if you come in. It doesn't go into the next inning. That's good. Make a starter, and you can't do this by rule, but you can do it by not having 13 pitchers on your staff. Jeff Passan is a big proponent of this. Make the staff smaller and make a starter then have to stay in the game to face a guy a third time so that a batter has a chance to get a read on a guy and he doesn't have a new pitcher every time he's up to bat yeah. who's got some other otherworldly slider that he hasn't seen before. So I can see uh, you know, conceivably 12 or 13 pitches from the same guy and get a read on him instead of, oh, I kind of have a feel for that guy and he's gone it starts, and he's not uh, going to be seen again for five days. This is not a Major League Baseball rules issue. This starts with batters understanding hitting. Because I know they're capable of it. I see plenty of times that third strike, that punch-out strike, is the hardest one to get when guys shorten their swing, they're more defensive at the plate, and they're fouling everything off, fouling good pitches off, fouling good pitches off. I saw Dansby Swanson last night foul pitches off. Finally, gets a fastball, he times up, and it's a home run. I know guys can do it. Too often you see guys that are swinging the same way three straight times. They oh, come I agree up with you on And that. are completely fooled, but... I really think the first adjustment, and some of these rule changes could be, could be good for the game. I'm not disagreeing with you. But the first step is batters understanding hitting more and actually going out and implementing it and not looking foolish so often at the point. I want that. But I think hand-in-hand hand with that, you've got to acknowledge, like if you follow at Pitching Ninja, every night he's isolating pitches that are just unhittable. This yeah. ridiculous stuff that guys have. You've got pitchers throwing it. The Yankees have pitchers throwing it. It's not it means is throwing it. This stuff's unhittable. So how do you counter the unhittable stuff, even if the batters are doing what you ask? There's got to well, be some leveling of it. I don't know how it happens. We, we, at least we are seeing finals, finals from last night, 19 to 4, 10 to 1. That's good. 8, 4, 5 to 2. Six to four was the Braves game. Eight seven final, three two final between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. So it's, it's not like everything's two nothing Yankees like the over the Rangers. The last two nights have been, but we have seen six no hitters by May nineteenth at the same time. There's one so other thing. I'll well, there's too many. 
But Pardon also, the pun, it's hit or miss. Let's go back and look at the number of nine to nothings this year. I know, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, seven yeah, yeah, to yeah. nothings. Get There's a lot of picture. ten to ones that I've seen. Sure. When the Orioles also. play, you're going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> There's two other things I'll you're say right. about baseball. A lot of people, and we talk about this time and time again, it still does very well in the hometown market on a weeknight. You know, it's it's the top thing that's watched unless your your team also is in the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs. If you're in Philadelphia, you're watching the Phillies for the most part. The city is, and I think betting is really helping. I mean, all three of us are pretty plugged into our teams, but we're also looking a little bit at other. I'm I'm playing these K props, and I'm paying attention to baseball, uh, other baseball, outside of my team's baseball, in a way that I typically don't because there's nightly stuff I'm interested in based on FanDuel. I think betting is helping baseball. We will have the FanDuel parlay uh, coming up for the 360 Paul's, weekend Paul's parlay. Paul's that. parlay, that's yeah. coming up. I'm excited. Uh, but when we return, the Tennessee Power Hour will kick off with the VolQuest Power Hour on Fridays. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price with the very latest from the Hill in Knoxville. All things Tennessee Athletics next on OutKick 360. Hang with us. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.